Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or SoundCloud to get it automatically. If you like the Stitcher app, you'll find it there as well. It'd be really cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review on whatever platform you choose. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. Follow along on Twitter at myfirstsketch. Head to myfirstsketch.com where I'll post any of the videos that we talk about on today's show. Any questions, thoughts, recommendations, feel free to email me at josh at myfirstsketch.com and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. For the next few episodes, we'll turn our focus to our friends at Sketchfest Seattle. Their festival takes place the first two weekends of September, and some friends of Philly Sketchfest are performing, like Bad Medicine, Marvin Berry, and a walk-in tour of Mag's Corner. You can check out sketchfest.org to learn more about Sketchfest Seattle. And so we head to Seattle, because today's guest is Cassia Ward, currently a member of the Responsible Adults. Cassia's first sketch is called Dishes. Cassia reads the role of Jeff, and I read the role of the pot. So let's go to the sketch. Lights up on a studio apartment. Jeff, in a t-shirt and boxers, is watching television. A deep, menacing voice suddenly sounds throughout the apartment. Jeff. Jeff pauses the television and listens. Hearing nothing, he turns it back on. Jeff. Jeff pauses the television again. Convinced he heard something, he listens intently and again sits down to turn the TV back on. Jeff. Jeff springs out of the couch and looks around. Who was that? Free me, Jeff. Where the hell are you? The sink. Quickly, Jeff. Jeff runs to the sink and peers in and startles backwards as the voice and light begin to emanate from the spaghetti pot. Hurry, Jeff. This position is undignified. Jeff grabs the spaghetti pot and puts it right side up on the counter. What the hell are you? I am made from your hubris, Jeff. The weeks of neglecting your poor, unwashed spaghetti pot have finally come to fruition. I am given life on this day. You're just my spaghetti pot? I'm so much more than that, Jeff. I am blood of your blood. You have eaten of me and so have given your body strength. But what can be taken must also be given, so I am here. Your sloth and filth has allowed my soul to arise in this pot, and I have come to claim what is rightfully mine. Put me in your throne, Jeff. My throne? Your throne, Jeff. Jeff hesitantly picks up the pot and moves it to a bean-up rolling office chair. Is this what you wanted? <laughs> Fool. I want so much more than your measly, than just your measly kingdom, Jeffsifer. What do you want? I have seen the way you live your life, Jeff. I know the sins you have committed. You have had your chance to change who you are at every turn, but you have ignored your opportunities just like you have ignored your dishes. Therefore, I am claiming the title of Jeff. I will live your life better than you, you feeble-minded Philistine ever could. 
You want to be me? Hell no, I was here first. Is it not a son's destiny to replace their father's? Is it not my birthright? I've spent weeks upon dark weeks, buried under lesser dishes, growing mold, seething, planning. I knew that once I was able to emerge, able to speak, that it would be a small matter to usurp your power. I'll be making big changes in your life, Jeff. Big changes? It's time you gave up the guitar, Jeff. Your cat-like warbling may have gained you favor in the huddled masses of a college party, but every tainted note you wring from that wretched instrument only serves to drain the willpower of all who are unlucky enough to listen. Hey, that's not fair! When do you plan on deciding a career path, Jeff? What? Your life is a passionless existence, for you have nothing to drive you. I know not what you expect a major in philosophy to do for you, but it does nothing to stoke the fire in your heart and put coin in your treasury. I plan to use my newfound office in your life to declare a major in business so that I may prosper. Whoa, 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 no one said anything about business. And your girlfriend, sweet Angela, how you neglect her tender form. Jeff stares. Her soul is crying out for intimacy, Jeff. She requires a touch far more sensitive than your brutish hands can possibly deliver. Hey, what are you saying? She needs you not, Jefferson. Beautiful, intelligent, sensitive Angela. You take her for granted, Jeff, and you do not see the rare jewel that you have in your possession. Oh, Angela, you graceful, lilting goddess of Capitol Hill, with your joyous smile and arborous green eyes, how unfortunate you are to be mated with Brutus Jeff of South Everett. You appreciate her not, and so you deserve her not. I shall treat her far better than you ever could. You little shit. Curse at me all you wish, Jeff, but you cannot deny that once Angela feels my cool, refreshing steel body. That's it! Jeff grabs the pot and stalks over to the sink, holding a scrub brush threateningly at Pat. How do you like this, you bastard? You don't have the courage, you debauch ruffian. Oh, yeah? Jeff furiously begins scrubbing out the inside of the spaghetti pot. The pot starts screaming in pain. Jeff continues screaming throughout the pot's line. You fool. You may kill me here today, but there are others like me. Your foolish wastefulness, your avarice, your deplorable stupidity will lead to your end. Hail, father, and farewell. And may you someday burn in the hell of your own creation. Now my spirit is going. I can no more. The pot dies. Jeff sighs in relief and goes to put the pot away. A few moments of silence as he moves to sit on the couch. As soon as he sits, a light comes up from a mug on the desk. Hello, Jeff. Jeff screams. Uh, quick little side note here. You'll notice a very brief difference in audio. Apparently for a while of recording this, I wasn't talking into the microphone. The microphone had fallen slightly, so I was so the microphone was still catching everything I was saying, just not directly. So you'll hear the difference, and I apologize for it. But here's my chat with Cassia. Hey Cassia. All right, so tell me about this sketch. Where did this sketch come from? 
Um, this sketch was just kind of, uh, I wrote it, it was a couple months into the first time I ever lived on my own. And the, the chore I hate the most in the world is doing the dishes. And this was at the end of a very long week where like all of my dishes were disgusting and in the sink. And this was like a self-shaming sketch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just like, if I don't do these dishes, my they're going to come alive. <laughs> One of those ideas where like, you're definitely um, seeing the worst in yourself and putting it out there. Yeah. So <laughs> laughing and crying <laughs> at my flaws. <laughs> um, what, what drove you to write a, a comedy sketch then? Um, in college, I, I had no idea what sketch comedy was. Like I, I knew what SNL was, but I didn't like connect that concept to sketch comedy until I did a sketch and improv show in college and this was probably written like I want to say like a month or two after that your college had a sketch an improv class it was a show like we we all auditioned for this sketch and improv show and I I did improv all throughout high school and into college and I was like improv yeah okay and that other thing so I, yeah. are, are you in school for theater then I was and now I okay. am done <laughs> okay okay so you uh you're doing you're a theater kid you do improv throughout high school yeah right so let's go all the way back then. What is like your earliest memory of comedy? Of comedy? Um, yeah. I feel like I can't talk about my early memories of comedy without talking about my mom. Because uh, she's kind of, she's kind of like the person that influenced my sense of humor the most. Um, she, she's legitimately one of the funniest people I know to this day. Uh, and we always just kind of grew up like making fun of each other and doing bits. And I feel like that influenced how I write just because it's when I write by myself, it's just me doing bits with myself, making fun of myself or something that's happening to me. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, I, I'm struggling to think of like, outside influences other than like family because uh i have i don't have any siblings but i do have like a large extended family and we're all pretty loud mexicans so <laughs> <laughs> so we we all that's that's kind of what influenced me the most was all of them uh were you a fan of anything particularly like on tv or movies growing up i feel oh man uh, is it basic if i say spongebob <laughs> no it's not yeah i mean like was it like, i think this year's like the 20th anniversary or something of spongebob is it really it it's like it's been on way longer than i even anticipated it being like, yeah um it might 20 might not be right but it's been on for like forever and um as like as a kid that didn't have cable growing up like i really have no frame of reference to spongebob at least like nostalgically Oh, yeah. So, like, if my nephews are ever watching it, like, I don't have that, like, built in, like, <laughs> aww, like, 
and oh, I was like, is... "What is, what's happening here? <laughs> this is so weird to me." It's kind of a wild show going back and looking at it as an adult. Mm. I, I can't even imagine like not having that, um, that like built in like, oh, I know what this is. <laughs> but I think that's true of a lot of cartoons where you, if you go back and. And there's there's even like certain things like going back a little bit because I, I feel like I'm, I'll be a little bit older than you like going back and rewatching like Animaniacs and Tiny Toon Adventures oh yeah <laughs> with like the older eyes I'm like oh oh wait how's that joke okay with kids like <laughs> you know the things that they sneak in for the adults in the room like yeah and I I, I never picked up on any of that as a kid so I guess yeah, it works no. <laughs> yeah uh, it's I don't know cartoons work in such a fabulous way sometimes that it's just so disarming yeah I feel. and i feel like you can connect cartoons to sketch comedy because it's i feel like cartoons at the maximum are like 10 minutes which is As yeah they're they're a little long to be sketches to be but at the same time they're totally sketches like yeah <laughs> or they at have... least like if someone on stage did a 10 minute sketch i'd be so annoyed <laughs> but a cartoon a... on television would be perfectly fine it depends on the sketch, honestly. Eh, you say that. But... <laughs> I mean, I mean that's fair. Like that's <laughs> totally fair. <laughs> I don't think I have any ten-minute sketches in my <laughs> repertoire. <laughs> All right. Um. So I mean, I mean, we talk about like cartoons being like cartoon television being sketches. What's your eventual introduction to? I mean, let's talk about improv then, because you did improv in high school. I did. Where did you find out about improv? Well, okay, I was in the theater society in high school, and they eventually were like, in my freshman year, were like, hey, we're going to bring in somebody from uh, Jet City Improv, and that's one of our big improv theaters out here in Seattle, and they're going to teach the improv team uh, like how to do improv, basically. And we, so like all of us showed up to this room on this day and it was kind of like, oh, you just get, you just get up here and you do stuff. And I was like, that's horrifying. I'm going to do it for four years. <laughs> Did you know what improv was before that day? No, no, I don't think so. <laughs> like, okay. So you had no, okay. So you're just, all right, this is a new theater thing for me to do. Yeah, I was so deep into, like, being a musical theater person that I kind of never really explored any other avenue. And so in high school, that kind of got me started into looking into other things I could do other than sing and dance. <laughs> do you have a favorite musical? Oh, that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh... Man, I want it changes daily depending on mood, but the answer that is pretty common and popped into my head first was Avenue Q. Yeah. Um I feel like I feel like it's kind of outdated for like the current cultural climate, but I love the idea of it of like a mid young adult like mid 20s out of college Sesame Street. Yeah. Like, yeah, Avenue Q. Um, like I think it came out when I was in college, and, or at least like it it got bigger as I got in college because I knew I remember my friend sending me links to certain songs, or at least like, maybe she even like sent me like the MPEG file 
the, uh, the, the mp3 of, of of the music yeah <laughs> and i was like wait you're allowed to do this like <laughs> uh she I, I distinctly remember uh she sent me everyone's a little bit racist love that one <laughs> and what do you do with a ba in english and like i was like oh my goodness this is fantastic yeah and i eventually like got the full like soundtrack myself and i you know i saw the touring company when they came to philadelphia and uh, another story about avenue q for me because it is it's one of my favorites too oh, um man. i saw a community version a, a community production of it oh and uh I, I truly believe that like it might be a little you know harder to do in as we get more socially conscious and I don't want to mm-hmm. say like more PC like and everything <laughs> but one thing you cannot do in that show is not have an Asian woman playing Christmas yeah and this production did had an Asian woman playing Christmas had no. <laughs> Oh did no! Not have an Asian. Oh, oh no! <laughs> yeah, um, yikes! And ev- everything else about the production was fan- like was fine for a community, <laughs> like for suburban Philadelphia community theater, except that. Oh, that's just and a- like, <laughs> and I'm not even going to say like I'm the most woke woke person in the world, but like every time she came on stage, I was bummed out. Yeah, and I was just, like I was just like, you, you, yes, you can't do this. I'm sorry. Like, I yeah, I don't feel like, good about this. Like, and I I feel like she even went a little yellow face, like with makeup choices and stuff. And I was just like, oh, this is everything else about this has been okay except for you. Yep. Mm-hmm. But that's a <laughs> big thing. Yeah, that's pretty basic. Like. <laughs> like <laughs> you need someone who's uh asian playing christmas you need it, someone who's it, black playing garrett coleman yeah you like because part of it like that actress is that a bit winking of like oh i'm in on the joke it's okay yeah and this particular actress did not have the permission to do that to no. me oh that's that's a, <laughs> that's an ouch <laughs> yeah yeah everyone yeah everything else was fine like mm-hmm I think they made their own puppets and they were great, but Christmas was a huge bummer. Yeah. So if a... <laughs> if that actress ever hears us, I'm sorry, but you shouldn't have taken that role. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm glad that people are more aware <laughs> of like ethic ethic ethicality. Is that yeah. a word <laughs> of I... uh, artistry? <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's because I remember there was um. There's a big news story like last year about some high school production that they wanted to do some show and they didn't have like I forget what it was and I'm like kicking myself but like was it the they, Mikado? No. No, I almost feel like it was something like like more recent like maybe like in the Heights or something like oh, that where they just didn't hairspray? have like the ethnic diversity of what the the cast actually needed. Yeah. But I don't remember what it was but it's one of those I, things like yeah. why why is that even like a an option for you like i mean it's a great show yeah but like if you don't have if, the people yeah you can't do it yeah it just i mean that feels like common sense to me me too my youth <laughs> theater wanted to do hairspray and this was a few years after i'd aged out of the program um so they actually like worked with the 
NAACP out here to like okay. pull pull pe- to pull kids from like like you know the African American community to come and audition, so like so that they could have that diversity. <laughs> yeah, which I thought was neat. Like, yeah, yeah. I like it's the idea of like oh if you're um. I know a lot of my the theater friends in college, like a lot of the guys would get more reps and more roles by going to like the all girls school yep. and like, <laughs> you know, doing the, the male leads in their shows and whatever, but like, and that's not the best example of that, you know, the whole theory of like, cause we can like, talk about the whole idea of drag in shows and, you know, gender mm-hmm. bending and all that. But like, uh, because I think uh, one of the colleges out here did a gender bended version of Godspell. That oh, was that's very, rad. That was very curious to see, but I, I missed out on it. Yeah, I was in a version of Godspell where we had a um, a lady play Jesus. Oh, okay. It was. I thought it was really cool, and it worked really well. <laughs> yeah. 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 If, if you have the the vocals to do that show, or I mean, and that's not even like the hardest like vocal vocal show to do, like. I don't really care who's doing what, as long as it's still fun. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh, theater kid in high school, you don't, you, you, they just randomly have an assignment or an improv teacher come in to, you know, flex a new muscle for y'all. So, uh, yeah. how do you get to, I mean, so that, tell me about more about this, um, sketch and improv show in college. So yeah, the sketch and improv show in college was kind of just like a pet project of one of the professors uh, there, and she was just like, "Okay, we're gonna do this show where it's like the first half is improv, and then we're all gonna write, edit, and rehearse a bunch of sketches together for the second half." And they they cast us as either improvers. Um, sketch actors or sketch writers and you could be like combinations of the three mm-hmm. so I did sketch acting and sketch uh, or and sketch acting and improv okay. um, but I didn't do any writing because I was I had no idea like how to write sketches sure and and I had never really written anything I didn't consider myself a writer back then and so we kind of went through this process together and we got to everybody sat in on like the sketch writing lessons like no matter if you were writing or not um and everybody got to sit in on the editing sessions as well so i kind of just like absorbed throughout this process and i heard like all the like the criticisms and the like what worked and what didn't throughout the show Mm -hmm. And I, I had like a blast doing it. I don't. It didn't turn out like the best ever. And um, I don't expect it to. Yeah, it's a college like comedy production. It it really like it's yeah, <laughs> it's that. Was that um, your uh, first experience like doing a show where you were part of like the creative process? Or at least, yeah. like, um, a fly on the wall of the creative process throughout, like... Yeah, like, that's kind of... Because musical theater, like, all the roles are pretty clearly defined. And if you're an actor, you just kind of do what you're told. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the sketch and improv show, it was, like, really cool to kind of get to create this new thing that was ours. And that's kind of what, like, drew me to sketch, 
and improv like to a lesser extent um i do have like me and improv like we (laughs) i make jokes that like we break up and get back together all the time um because i have a lot of anxiety whenever i do improv because i want it to be good Mm-hmm. And sketch helps me kind of alleviate some of that anxiety because it's rehearsed. It's like I get to decide like the beats and I don't have to like rely on other people when I'm writing. And then, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm totally on the same boat. Like I don't do improv. Like I'm pretty much sketch or die, like for the most part. <laughs> yeah. Because I have that anxiety of like, I don't want to waste your time, especially mm-hmm. like like if this if a bad improv show is happening like i really don't want to be a part of it yeah and i I, don't i feel like i even would have that like survival mode of like just flight like you know it's either fight or flight like there's a part of me that would fly like if i'm like in the middle of this bad thing i can just see myself against the back wall just slinking behind like a curtain and just like disappearing if a show is just going that poorly Oh yeah, for sure. Like I, I will, I'm like a fixer. Like I want to fix it, so I end <laughs> up trying to insert myself too much when I think something's going poorly, and then I go home and I'm like, "That was I made a lot of choices, and none of them were great." <laughs> <laughs> and your teammates so, might hate you for sneaking for like, out to do and to try to fix their stuff that didn't work out for you, or yeah, and it's it's just that's just a lot of like pressure i feel like i don't like inviting people to improv shows because i want i want them to see me at my best and not at like like maybe this will be good (laughs) who knows (laughs) yeah everyone always talks about like the magic of improv like oh the stuff that happens tonight will never happen again i was like no (laughs) if 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 we do something good i want to do it again like let's explore that let's like i always get like i always want improv teams to do sketch oh yeah like i always want like a director or some kind of person watching taking notes and like let's play in this idea a little bit more let's you know let's refine this yeah and i feel like it's a it's a great tool and i think everybody should know how to do improv um but i use it more as like a way to influence like writing and maybe if you have like a bit that works really well in the middle of a written sketch like trying it out with improv is fun so see i love that because like you come into sketch with you know years of improv you know before sketch and it sounds like you're almost a complete like sketch convert which warmed my heart like (laughs) just straight up like i was like oh you can write this shit down (laughs) we like uh and being the comedy nerd that i like pretend to be or not pretend to be i definitely am but like uh growing up and knowing about like learning with the second city where they are like improv to sketch and then when io and ucb came onto the scene and they're like improv just for the sake of improv there's a part of me just like no no, improv's a writing tool. Use it to write. Yeah. <laughs> so whenever they, when people don't, I'm like, ah, oh, come on, let's like, okay. Just, uh, 
like I, I need I need this refined. I I kind of have a policy that that comedy is kind of just like putting the maximum amount of effort into the smallest things. And Ooh, I kind of feel like I like that. That's yeah, that's that's kind of only possible if you like have time to like 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 work it out, work out the kinks. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I'm stealing that. Oh yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> I'm I'm open to sharing. <laughs> Uh, okay, so after that first uh, college show involving Sketch, where do you get the, uh, I mean, we're talking about the, the Sketch dishes. Yeah. Where do you decide to write that? Um, so I'm looking at the version history for the Google document right now, and the first draft is uh, June 15th, 2017, 12.51 a.m. Okay, that sounds... And it was... <laughs> right. And it's... Yep. And it's kind of the... I remember it as being like... Because I never decided, like, now I will write sketch. It was just kind of something that came out of me at one in the morning. Uh, and I was like, oh, wait, this is... Oh, this is a sketch. I just wrote a sketch. <laughs> Um, and a lot of sketches come out of me like that, where I'm just like, oops, <laughs> I've written four pages now. Uh, I was in Portland a couple months ago and I had a CBD donut yeah. and that's CBD is not supposed to be psychoactive, but there was something in it because <laughs> I got fucked up in a Powell's in Powell's books wandered around and wrote a whole sketch while like sitting in the corner like terrified <laughs> nice what was that about yeah. uh it was about it was it was a sketch that was like the con like the concept of an unfunny sketch and it's about a uh, police officers coming to tell a woman that her husband had died but the husband died in such a stupid way that it's it's just funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I forget to ask this. Um, has Dishes ever been performed? Dishes, as it actually was just filmed. Nice. Uh, oh. Like a, a little bit ago. Oh, cool. Um, we're still editing it, but yeah, that should be up on our YouTube channel soon. So what? T- so. so tell me about the experience of uh, producing a short of the sketch then. It was it was really fantastic, and all of our film sketches, of which there are now two, um, I, ha- I I do with my current sketch team because uh, Courtney Hewer is a fantastic director of photography, and Stephen does sound, so we just kind of have like a little skeleton crew there, like built in. Um, so we filmed this, and the pot and Jeff were played by uh, a couple people from the Maple Daddies, which is another group that's performing with Seattle Sketchfest, and also Steven's other group, other than the responsible adults, okay. quote unquote. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was it was just really fun because I basically gave them this script and was like, "Hey, I wrote this, but I don't." I'm not like married to the lines. I kind of want you guys to like play around with it while keeping the same like arc. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And they just like, they blew me away. They made the sketch better than I could have ever made it. Uh, and it was really exciting to see like, like actual humans <laughs> doing stuff that I made. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was one like, when you had sent me the sketch last night, I, you know, I quickly read over it just to see what we were getting into. And I was like, I don't see, I mean, it can be done on stage and like live in a theater, mm-hmm. but I don't see it being as good as it could be on stage. Like it, yeah. like it's something that would have to be filmed to me. Yeah. And that's kind of how I felt about it. Like, We've never performed this on a stage. Like, I'm, and I don't really want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I feel like one of the things because you know, one of the big climaxes of of the sketch itself is washing the pot. You would need mm-hmm. somewhere that you can, you know, do that water bit of it. Yeah, like, and I feel like you kind of need to get like that, like soapy, wild, like, <laughs> and you can't really spreading. like. Like uh, the realism of the sketch will die if, like, you just like you know pour a gallon of water like into a bucket and like just you know makeshift like a camp stove kind of thing. Yeah, it's not as like good. Yeah, it would totally and... like yeah, it would kill the reality of it for me. I feel like the production value on a stage would need to be like far too much yeah. that you would ever do for sketch comedy. Um, Nick Kruger did an amazing job uh, just washing this pot. <laughs> he did like several different angles. Uh, he, it was amazing. It was as if he was like strangling this pot. Nice, but excellent. With soap and a sponge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I look forward to that. I want to see it. I want to see it too. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So let's. Um, how do we get from? I, I'm assuming you graduate college. Graduate, stop. Whatever. (laughs) Uh, So how do we get from college show in Providence Sketch to responsible adults? I love this story. Um, So after college, I was like, I want to make something of myself. And I was still kind of like in that like uh, feeling of I'm not really a writer. I'm not really a sketch comedian. So I called all my friends and I was like, hey, uh, guys, let's start an improv group that's not connected to um, Shoreline Community College. (laughs) Um, And it was like 20 people. And our first rehearsal was amazing. All 20 people showed up and uh, we had a great time. And I was like, great. So now we're all going to sign up for improv month and we're going to divide into teams and we're going to all do it together and have rehearsals. And I call the second rehearsal and Steven shows up. Okay. And so uh, we we kind of like sit there for a while. And when we figured out that nobody else was coming, we were like, okay, I guess you and I are going to make a team. <laughs> <laughs> and we grabbed uh, Courtney, who was like not there for a legitimate reason. And we grabbed Staggerly, who is also a friend of ours, who's no longer with the group because he moved to LA, but he's fantastic. Um, but yeah, and so we were like, okay, we're going to do this improv thing. And we did improv month at a local theater down here, the pocket. That's where we do most of our work. And then the next month was sketch month. And I was kind of like, hey guys, (laughs) can we do sketch month now? 
And they were like, yeah, of course. So we did that. And I was, that was kind of my first sketch show that was mine and my team's. Mm. And that I made stuff for. And like, that's when I got hooked. How, yeah. So how did that first show go? Um, I mean, you got hooked. I, so Yeah, it was. I remember it going like really well and going back and watching the video now. And that's on our YouTube, too. I'm like, oh, it was our first show. Mm. Like, we've done better stuff since then. I'd but hope. We've also kept. Yeah. <laughs> We've also kept a lot of sketches from that first show. Mm-hmm. And like we do them throughout shows. And then that was only like a year and a half ago. Okay. I think. It was May 2018. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was fully just like no longer in school, let's do something creative. Yeah, and it was kind of like a, I don't know where I'm, what my purpose is, so I'm gonna make something. <laughs> how did you? Um, well, I mean, like, so as you tell the story, and you mentioned that like you invited twenty people, and I'm like you, like there's no video chat in, in our recording, but you said twenty people, my eyes widened. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I was like, there it... are not twenty people in uh, your group. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I was just like, all right, so how do we get from 20 to, because there's a couple teams here in Philadelphia that started with like 15 and over years they've whittled down. Yeah. So... You lost 18 people in a week. It sounds like to me. Yeah. I mean, people have like stuff going on sure, absolutely. and I don't want to like dunk on anybody, but yeah, the responsible adults, the, the double quotation marks kind of come from the fact that the group was the responsible <laughs> people out of that group. Um, so how do you find out about uh, performing at Pocket then? Um, man, how did I event like find out about it? I think I was part of some... Oh, wait, no, I know this. Uh, the, the sketch writing consultant... Uh, on the sketch and improv show that I did in college was I think at that time the owner of the pocket okay um so he was kind of like come to the pocket like we do how they do it is like anybody can come perform like for free Mm -hmm. and the pocket just takes the first 20 seats and then the artists get the rest of the money from the oh interesting yeah it's I think it's a fantastic model for people to come and try stuff out and for new groups to kind of get their like foundation um so we've done a lot there and uh, you had mentioned that uh improv month and sketch month what what are those so the pocket in i think it's in january does like improv month where they encourage like people to to sign up like to do improv and it's kind of like most of the showtime in that month is for improv teams and they it's like they have like kind of like networking stuff and people like generally come to see everybody's shows because performers get like a big discount mm-hmm. on tickets for all the other shows that month and then sketch months it's the same thing it's like uh like bring your sketch group uh come do a little set um 
come see everybody's shows, meet like all the people in the community, and I think it's really cool. Yeah, but yeah, those two things were through pocket. Then okay, cool. Yeah, through the pocket. Um, so tell me, uh, like, what if someone's walking into a responsible adult show for the first time? What do you think they can expect? Like, how would you pitch <laughs> a responsible adult show to somebody? The the tagline that I most often use in like the bios that I submit to festivals is like it's it's positive stupid comedy that even your mom would love. Uh, we kind of try to keep it clean and like funny and like really simple. Yeah. Um, I I think the 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 games, the jokes, the comedy that people that the widest amount of people can relate to are just like things that are like simple and that. Uh, we all can relate to. I think our most popular sketch right now is like it's us singing all the names of the Planet of the Apes movies. Like that's that's the joke. Really okay. simple, really easy to get into. Um, like all of them. Like all of them. All of them. Like the all of them. the Heston ones the, from the sixties yeah, and seventies. The War of the Dawn of the Rise of the remake of the Battle of the Conquest of Escape. To beneath the, the planet of the apes. <laughs> nice, because I I couldn't name them, so I guess saying them is going to be a bit of a challenge. Yeah, uh, if if you know that song, like the hole in the bottom of the sea. Sure. Like, I I don't remember how the original song goes, but it's basically the idea of like the tree and the hole and mm-hmm. the hole in the ground and the bird on the branch of the tree. Yeah. Um, is there a lot of musicality in your shows then? actually yeah none of it like i'm kind of the only singer like trained singer in in our group uh but we do a lot of music and songs and rewriting current songs to be like a sketch um i i tap dance sometimes (laughs) (laughs) that's just kind of a self-indulgent thing is that kind of like and, uh, yeah. part of your fixer idea? Like, oh, if something's not working, I'll just dance a little bit? <laughs> um, I wouldn't say <laughs> that. <laughs> when Sometimes I, I miss doing musical theater sometimes. And I'm like, eh, maybe I'll just write a sketch that involves those same skills. <laughs> um, what is your impression of the the sketch comedy scene and to a lesser extent improv because it's an, an improv show but like the what is your um your your you know your feel of the scene there in, in seattle yeah um it's we're very we're still very small and we're like i feel like if you're in the sketch scene you pretty much know everybody in the scene Mm. like we we all see each other all the time and there's like uh i want to say like 20 or 30 like active people who are just like going for it like that that live here a lot of times when people get good or want to be like better they move they move to chicago or they move to la or new york that's true here too yeah yeah somewhere that has like more upward mobility and i'm kind of stubborn in the fact that i'm like i ain't gonna move (laughs) i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna stay here and try to like 
make an upward mobility i I guess Mm. uh you mentioned missing musical theater have you pursued anything as an adult nope (laughs) uh no i haven't um it's a combination of like oh i have a day job and doing that and going to a like a full musical theater rehearsal and trying to keep up with the responsible adults and like sketch comedy in general uh is a little too much right now and the other half of that is for non-binary people it's kind of difficult to get roles Mm. um well like if you if you see me in person like you wouldn't immediately assume that i'm like trans but uh throughout my life even before i like knew that non-binary was a thing or identified at it as it it was always kind of like oh you're a little too like masculine crass like something to play like the the female roles mm-hmm. in musical theater and you're definitely not masculine enough to play the male roles yeah so I would kind of be relegated to like, oh, you're a dog, you're a little boy, you're a tentacle. A tentacle. I, that was a li- yep. I was in The Little Mermaid and I played one of Ursula's tentacles. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. In the junior production, the tentacles actually have lines. Oh. <laughs> it's pretty wild. As a society, as we start to embrace or do a better job of embracing some of the um that you know the fluidity of gender and all that stuff are you seeing a change within the the community however slowly as it's gonna happen yeah in the broader theater community as a whole absolutely like people are are getting to the point where it's like oh like this can be whatever you want it to be gender is kind of just like a thing in musical theater it's a little bit harder to progress as quickly because it's such like a um, an old fashioned style. People do like shows that are from time periods where like that wasn't even like a yeah. thing. Like if you were trans, you just suffered basically. <laughs> um, so the gender roles are like usually super rigid in in the musical theater like scene and it's kind of hard to get out of that without like radically changing a lot of the material which a lot of people are like really hesitant about doing because it's it's not really their thing to change like i'm kind of irreverent i'm like i'll rewrite oklahoma who cares like (laughs) like those little changes to shows and so people and, and like even like fans like that are so um like they hold their own possession of a show yeah like anything and i think out of the ordinary or something that they're not used to almost becomes like sacrilegious yeah it's a it's a hard sell like like having a, a woman play jesus in god's spell it's like people are hesitant to accept that and you do have the group that's like yeah like that's that's what i would be in but um but yeah it's it's people care about their (laughs) musicals 
and they care about the musicals that they have in their brains. And I, and I think even to like a um, greater extent, like one of the dumb things about comedy is that so much of it is playing against the, you know, some of the normative functions of, of society. Like if you see a man and a woman on stage, you either immediately assume like you're playing with assumptions of those two characters. Like, mm-hmm. like in that first like line of the sketch, you're either going to know if they're like a married couple, like that relationship between the two. It's going to be established yeah. immediately. Like, and we, and we play on those all the time. And as we mm-hmm. start, you know, understanding, because like, I know there's a couple like non-binary performers within you know, our system here in Philadelphia. And I like, I've never really had full conversations of like, I mean, you present female to an, you know, an untrained or unknowing eye. How does Mm -hmm. playing those roles, you know, affect your identity then? It's like, um, this is something I've actually thought a lot about because it's kind of like, you know, as a trans person, you do kind of constantly think about like, oh, gender and what's this person thinking about me? And like, do like, do I pass? Do I not pass? Uh, whatever. Um, and for me, I've kind of settled into like playing any sort of gender, uh, like at, in a like theater professional sense. It's it's like a, it's a character. It's um, it doesn't bother me playing women. Or playing men or playing right. like any gender because it's it's not like me where it kind of gets into like of like a ooh like gray area in terms of my feelings is I worry sometimes that I playing female characters will kind of reinforce the idea right. of me as like a female. Cause I don't, I don't know, like, I don't like, I don't, I've never seen you in person. You've never seen me in person, but I'm, I'm like, I have an extremely feminine, like body and uh, face and it would be very difficult to pass as a man without taking hormones, which I'm not intending Mm -hmm. on doing. (laughs) So it's kind of like, oh, well, I do, I do enjoy playing women and I do like a lot of the female roles that I write or other people write. Um, but I, I am kind of like, Oh, well that's just kind of another reinforcement of like, Hey, this is the box you fit in. (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, most of the people in my sketches are, I never really decide on a gender unless it's relevant to the sketch. Right. And that's, that, that's another thing that I've been trying to do too in, in my writing, like, but at the same time, when I do those things, like how much am I playing on the normative character? Like I'm always concerned that, mm-hmm. uh, like if, if I write, you know, a scene for a romantic couple, like, and I, and I generally will do like the, just, you know, the, the a, a normative heterosexual, a heterosexual couple because I like, there's a part of me that worries that as a straight, you know, cis male, 
if I write them as any, you know, variation of, of queer, that that becomes part of the joke. Mm-hmm. And I don't intend yeah. it to be. Um, yeah. No, I kind of struggle with like that, like gen, like gender norms, heteronormativity in writing. But I got a really good piece of advice from uh, the uh, sketch and improv show and from like the owner of the pocket, Clayton. And he said, hey, if you're writing something and you want to put more female or more queer characters in it, just change one of the names and some of the pronouns. And yeah, uh, absolutely. Like, keep, like, and I think it's okay to write a heterosexual scene and then be like, okay, and then change one of the genders. <laughs> I'm always concerned that doing that, doing something like that would add a joke I'm not intending. Like, True. Or turn it into something negative like because like yeah a lot of comedy will play on and stereotypes might not be the right word but it also kind of is where it's you know mm-hmm. you're you're playing on types like, stop, you're stop playing it. on archetypes even like yeah. for a lot of people in america like their idea of a gay couple would be like cameron and mitchell on mm-hmm. Modern Family. And yeah. I don't want to, like... I don't want to create a, a thing that, like, adheres to whatever... Or perpetuates any stereotype like that. Or any negative yeah. stereotype that some, someone might be playing into. Now, granted, if I'm doing a comedy theater in Philadelphia, I doubt that audience is coming to my show anyway. So, like, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to deal with a better audience than I'm probably giving them credit for it but yeah no for sure and you know i think it's important to like include like queer voices in like comedy about queer yeah, people, i guess but i think i feel like it's okay it's okay in my mind for like cis het people to write queer relationships i just don't i feel like the focus probably shouldn't be on like the queer relationship mm-hmm. like having a sketch about a married couple where like the game is like that the that one of them keeps i don't know throwing away the their priceless heirloom not a funny joke but for example person purposes uh it can be two women or two men or a, like a man and a like non-binary person and i don't think it changes the sketch because people are generally similar no no absolutely like i I think i just more worry about like if i present if i if i present a sketch like that like are the actors gonna go like too fey like are they gonna go straight birdcage yeah and i don't intend them to (laughs) you know that kind of stuff yeah i think that's that's more of an actor problem right and i I guess that's in my head of like (laughs) Yeah. Hey guys, don't don't make me look like the jerk here. Yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. Uh, I'm kind of lucky in Seattle. Most people like know like how to play yeah. queer people, <laughs> and because it's just people. Um, 
I ask everybody, and I should have asked this 30-something minutes ago, uh, Saturday Night Live is like the juggernaut within sketch comedy uh, and mm-hmm. has been for the last 40-something years. I'm always curious, do you, uh, who would be your favorite SNL cast member? My favorite SNL cast member? Um, let me think about that. Because it's that's like a big question. And I, I want to say... My brain is like is getting stuck on Seth Meyer, but he's not with the cast. Oh, it anymore. doesn't have to be current. It can be but, all time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like Seth Meyer was somebody who like I I never really watched the show regularly. I was more of like a let's Google some mm-hmm. YouTube bits, and Weekend Update was kind of like the thing that I watched, and I never really saw the the uh, the before Seth sure. Meyer, but Seth Meyer. Bill, Bill Math Hater, the guy who Bill Hater, Bill Hater, yeah. Uh, I think they're they're both amazing. (laughs) Mostly because I love Bill Hater's like impressions. I think his character work is super Mm -hmm. good. Um, physicality is really important to me and dropping into a character I think helps the audience connect with the humor um Seth Meyer is like I'm just kind of like I got like a fat crush on him (laughs) (laughs) first of all so I feel like that's why he popped into my head and then second of all I just it's it's fun when you can see the actor's reaction to the jokes in a sketch and I feel like he's always kind of got that like in his face when he's when he was doing mm-hmm. weekend update like he he has a very open face and it was fun to see him like kind of uh just take in <laughs> the jokes that he was reading for that yeah. week <laughs> uh so uh in the time that you've been doing sketch comedy and improv and all your performing what's something that comedy has taught you either about life or something like just some like trick of the trade that you would pass on to a new writer i guess the 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 thing that comedy's taught me about life is the i think you can you, you have two choices when you're confronted with something and you can laugh about it or you could cry about it or you could do both and i try to default to laughing about it over crying about it but most often it's both but i think you can kind of remove the teeth of something by m- making fun of it you know kind of like the the bog arts and harry potter like if it's if you make your fears and your your worries funny then it kind of becomes a little easier to deal with yeah and I guess, yeah, a tip for a new writer is keep it simple. <laughs> if a sketch is not working, it's usually, at least personally, is because you're trying to put, you're trying to shove too many ideas into it. You stick to the one idea and you put all of your effort into one thing. And it usually turns out a lot better than you think. <laughs> yeah, strip it back down, get it to the basics, and then play with mm-hmm. it again. Yep. Uh, and then yeah. finally, uh, 
why comedy? Why is comedy how you spend why? your time? I I can't not be a comedian. I'm if like hanging out with me in real life is just jokes and bits and I'd be doing it anyway. So I feel like it's not really a choice. It's just kind of who I am and I'm choosing to share that with people. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's it's one thing, you know, <laughs> to be the funny person at the party, but like at a certain point being a person being a funny person on stage can be just as fun yeah (laughs) i don't think i'm that funny at parties also (laughs) oh i'm like it's either give me three people i know very well or a room of strangers yep (laughs) like after like or an after strangers that are looking directly at me because it's if it's just a room of strangers that are mingling i you know completely sink into the corner yeah, I'm kind of like, hey, guys. Yeah. If they're all seated and looking at me, that's one thing. Yeah. If I have to like find a conversation, that's never going to happen. <laughs> if I get to control the narrative, I'm down. Yeah. yeah, it's like, it's everybody look at me or nobody look at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love, right. I love goofing with my friends, but don't ask me to like network. <laughs> yeah oh yuck yeah all right all right thanks so much yeah thank you Cassie and the rest of the Responsible Adults will perform at Sketchfest Seattle on September 14th at 8 30 along with our friends Bad Medicine. You can follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash adults, on Instagram at adults, and on Twitter at socalledadults. My first sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow Philly Sketchfest on Instagram at phillysketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. Go to myfirstsketch.com. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy.